Welcome to another Climate Tech Podcast, interviews with the people trying to save us from ourselves. I had lots of fun in this conversation with Paul Rich, Director of Strategy and Growth at ProVeg Incubator in Berlin. Paul is new to Berlin after having traveled the world for two years and putting his management consulting brain onto the deep questions about our food system. I've been working in Impact for a long time, and the new program he and his team is launching called Kickstarting for Good is hands down the most promising program I've ever seen. I'm your host, Ryan Grant-Little. I'm glad you're here. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you today. Talk about the ProVeg Incubator. Where are you based? How long has it been around? What do you do? Yeah, the ProVeg Incubator uh, came to be in, I think it was 2018. Uh, We're here in Berlin, Germany, and it's the the world's leading incubator of plant-based fermentation and cultivated food startups. It was the first of its kind program to cultivate and support emerging startups to reduce the consumption of factory farm animal products. Uh, It's a 12-week program where participants secure up to 300,000 euros in funding and they get significant in-kind services. And you've just joined them. You've just moved to Berlin as well. So welcome to Berlin. You are from the US, from Wisconsin, but you've been basically for two years traveling around, living nomadically. So that's a long way around from the US to Germany. What were you doing before this in the US? And talk a bit about this kind of two-year nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm from the US. And before taking this time off, uh, I was a management consultant uh, at EY Parthenon. I was a strategy director in their food and agriculture practice and worked all across the value chain. But most importantly for me, my main focus since 2018 was finding high leverage system improvements for the climate and the environment. And this was plant-based and sustainable protein. Without a doubt, nothing comes close. I did everything I could to push this all protein and plant-based lever from within the system. But as you can imagine, it's not easy and comes with significant pushback. So blah, blah, blah. Uh, we can circle back to that but uh, or interject now. But my wife and I took a, a career pause. We wanted to just live and exist and simply be and experience climate change up close uh, to experience deep poverty up close and to experience our broken food system supply chain up close. I wanted to see the real impacts that the system players and their strategic advisors choose to externalize sometimes. And for me, it was to face these hard truths head on because not many people are truly willing to. We went all over the globe and really roughed it, man. We slept on couches uh, in rural train stations in India, in 20-bed bunk rooms in the favelas in Brazil, mountain tribes in, in Vietnam and China. And yeah, it was it was crazy. Between the 40-hour train rides and bus rides, it was super exhausting, but it was life-changing. And it's it's super hard to put into words how valuable of an experience this was uh, for my kind of single one journey on Earth. And yeah, it was a time to reflect on whether I was working in the most impactful area I could for the world. And the answer was yes, for plant-based. But the answer to me was no for management consulting. I wanted to be a consultant, but rather for human beings and non-human beings. Uh, I wanted to consult for the planet and society. And that kind of led to my role here at, at, at ProVeg. It's interesting that you say that what you were looking at the highest leverage kind of points of interjection and that that led you to plant-based. And of course, uh, Bain and The Guardian came out with kind of a similar uh, recommendation or conclusion recently with the report about kind of where investment dollars are best spent to fight climate change. 
And I know what you mean also that it's not always the most popular message. People don't want to hear that, you know, hamburgers are the problem. <laughs> and the reality is that, you know, one kilogram of beef creates 100 kilograms of CO2 emissions. And it is largely the problem also for things like deforestation. And I wonder, you know, when you're looking at that and you came to that conclusion, how does that stack up or how do things like, you know, we talk a lot about regenerative agriculture, about, you know, reducing methane and livestock and stuff like that. And it feels a lot of the time like these are easier messages to get across and kind of nobody, you know, you're not upsetting anybody, but maybe that's also the problem, right? It's kind of a bit like what ESG is to impact, right? It's a, it's an easier feel-good story, but maybe talk a little bit about that from the perspective of the consulting work you did, you know, what the journey was to come to that conclusion and some of the types of projects maybe that you were working on. Yeah, for sure. And I think what ultimately kind of got me down this path was actually from my younger brother. When we were both in university, he was studying environmental science. This maybe was 2010, 2011, uh, and got me very interested in sustainability and climate. There was no books on this. Nobody was putting it in their job titles. And this was not on product labeling or anything about sustainability. And yeah, just read everything I could and everything tied back to food and agriculture. And for me, coming from Wisconsin in the US, the last thing I wanted to do was, was work in, in food and agriculture. But I found out, hey, this is where I need to be to really solve some really very wicked problems, let's call it. And thinking about food and agriculture, it's a function of two things. It's what we eat and how we grow it. And I determined and through data and studies and and connecting the dots that what we eat is the far more profound question and profound challenge. And yeah, just the benefits that come from switching to a plant-rich diet are just numerous. And, and you can eat grains, you can eat beans, lentils, or the sustainable protein kind of novel products that are hitting the market, which are incredible, by the way. It's the choice is yours. But I mean, through this one single lever, we unlock land, we unlock water, we unlock so many opportunities to decarbonize. Yeah, that's an important point as well. It's not just about CO2. It's about all kinds of different things. And water quality is a, a massive one. I've spent a lot of time in Wisconsin myself as a biogas company founder. And, you know, seeing some of these larger operations, 30,000 head dairy operations and stuff like that, the effect of them is that these are all, they're basically like mega cities in a lot of ways, right? So with a pig farm, 10,000 pigs is equivalent to 100,000 people. But that pig farm with, you know, with 100,000 people equivalent doesn't have a sewer system set up. So it's running into rivers and creating all kinds of issues that go well beyond CO2. So I'm with you on this. And, and it's why I also got into space. People assume that because that I'm I work in food tech because I'm a great food lover. But I have to remind people that I'm the guy who's like eating microwave spaghetti over the sink for dinner. I don't I don't care so much about food. I care about the system and also how we treat animals, which are, you know, sentient beings just like us. <laughs> yeah, it's super inspiring. I'm glad that you, you've spent some time in Wisconsin, hopefully in the summer and not the winter. But <laughs> I'm yeah. from Canada, you know, it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, you're even north. Yeah, so I shouldn't be complaining. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And I, maybe we'll talk about it here, but it's all a function of thinking in systems. I think I wrote something on maybe on LinkedIn yesterday or the day before and yeah, we need to really reframe what's the goal of the food and agriculture system, what are the rules, what are the constraints, and what are the best levers for change and sustainable protein or plant-rich diets. 
it plays a central role and it's a huge lever for numerous issues that are important to different people. So I think when a lot of people really just sit back and ponder and think, what's the world I want for me, my children, my competitors, everybody to just keep this thinking thing habitable. I think people are waking up very quickly that protein is at the center of that and it's a huge lever. Yeah. And I think, you know, just going back to Wisconsin again, so, you know, 2009 or so when I was there and meeting with the governor's office and we went to see, we had a, a box at the, oh, what are they called? <laughs> the, the butcher football team again? Football Green Bay Packers? Or? Oh, yeah. We, we, we went to a Green Bay Packers game and saw Aaron Rodgers' first game there, which I guess it was a really big deal, although it means absolutely nothing to me. I said, <laughs> I'm like, this is the one where you throw the ball in the air, right? Okay. Um, That's so funny. But, but uh, meeting with the governor's office at that time, and it was important. You know, they were really on side with biogas. That's 2009, but not because of the environmental side of things so much. But if we could talk about energy security and make the case around jobs and economic opportunities. And sometimes I think in this sector and, you know, food tech and ag tech, we could be doing a lot more talking about food security, supply chain security, you know, post pandemic. We saw a lot about that. We're seeing a lot of the effects of food security right now with the war in Ukraine and maybe part of it. And, and I'll let you talk a little bit about some of the stuff that the ProVeg's uh, incubator is doing. But part of this is also about shifting the narrative to these other things that matter to everyone and that don't require kind of necessarily values alignment on things like animal welfare to make the tent a little bit bigger. Yeah, I am completely aligned. I think the conversation on food security, on fair transition for farmers, on just job growth in general across the economy, there's ripple effects from this transition across the economy. It is just so important. And I'm working on some stuff right now with the Middle East to kind of make that argument and kind of discuss those talking points. But yeah, food security, there's many ways we can talk about it and food waste and, and ways we can talk about it. But we really need to think about it differently. And what are the real levers? Again, kind of coming back to that kind of same theme to really underpin it and change that. And one of the reasons I reached out to you when I did is because I saw a lot of LinkedIn traffic about ProVeg's new Kickstarting for Good program. And I literally got goosebumps when I went through, when I just kind of clicked through the carousel and saw the, the different ideas, because they're all ideas that I've been thinking about one way or another. One of them I, I wrote up basically a one pager on and sent to a foundation over the summer to see if we could get some interest from it. So I know where to direct that interest as well. And, and I'm very happy that I don't have to be the guy who does it, but I feel like it's so important to do some of this stuff. I wonder if you could just kind of talk about some of these different ideas, who it's for, and what the impetus is for doing this now. I work with a lot of companies who plan to open up shop in or expand across Europe. My one big piece of advice, don't fall into the trap of setting up a new entity right away. Instead, talk to my friends at Paracar, who can help you get up and running without all the costs, not to mention the legal and HR hassle. When I was hiring in different EU countries, I wanted my team to focus on their work, not on the country's bureaucracy. After interviewing a half dozen international expansion firms, I chose Paracar because they were by far the most knowledgeable and they're great people. Whether you're a large multinational looking to expand abroad, a small business looking for the right talent, or a contractor, they'll sort it out. Book a free, no-obligation consultation right now at paracar.eu slash climate. That's P-A-R-A-K-A-R dot E-U 
slash climate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first and foremost, I'm super pumped to hear that you're excited about this. Um, I share your passion for finance models that drive real systemic change. Technology alone is only a fraction of what's needed. And don't get me wrong, very important. But everyone that I'm talking to right now, from investors to media to whomever, is really starting to wake up to that fact that, hey, we need some work on the on the demand side. And yeah, Ryan, regarding uh, stealing thunder or kind of you working on this as well, let's. I look forward to, to working with you on this or finding ways to collaborate. So let's uh, let's find ways to get your strategies and ideas and leadership into this. It'll only enhance the program. But really quickly, yeah, just on the impetus, it's for everybody, by the way, that's looking to change the food and, and protein system from different angles. The impetus is we need multiple levers moving at once. And the, the program aim is to help launch and grow new nonprofits, impact initiatives, and social startups working on fixing the food and protein system. And I'm sure we'll dig more into this, but the range of solutions is super inspiring. And it's almost a, a sister program to our other tech incubator. Uh, this one is maybe more pressing non-tech levers. It's backed by global philanthropy. And, and yeah, there's a, a wealth of mentorship and, and guidance from the industry network behind it. And some of the ideas that you put out there that um, that I don't know if these ones have backing specifically or if these are just kind of ideas. And and what's kind of cool is that you're asking people to take these ideas and, and run with them. But one was the World Society for Plant-Based Chefs, which is cool. The other, which I've seen a lot of talk about from very smart people in the industry, and, and I'm glad, I think maybe this is where this has come from also, is a checkoff program for plant-based foods, which is a lot like how the beef, pork, and dairy industries have funding for sort of the category to promote the whole category with these kind of inane campaigns like beef, it's what's for dinner, pork, the other white meat, or got milk, which you and I will have grown up with and been indoctrinated our whole lives with. <laughs> and you in Wisconsin, you've probably seen a few got milk commercials. I was going to say one of my kind of notes here to talk about is kind of this need for a, a checkoff program. But yeah, growing up in the dairy state, I can't tell you how many got milk slogans I've seen. And I think I even had a shirt that had it on it at one point. But yeah, the milk mustache commercials are just, they haunt me to this day. Yeah, I remember that. And and then, I mean, it's, it says a lot, you know, like back, I'm probably older than you, but going back and Jonathan Taylor Thomas was like the Justin Bieber of the era or whatever. And he's doing milk commercials, but he's also plant-based at that time. So how, th- how things have changed. But what are some of the other ones? So those are two, but you've put out all kinds of different ideas. So what else are you looking at? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure how much I can comment on a lot of the applications that have come in, but in terms of some of these kind of public kickstarted projects that Albrecht uh, Wolfmeyer and his team have come up with, which are super impactful, they include one's uh, an accelerator for social media influencers. One is a network that connects organizations focused on climate-friendly, plant-rich diets and schools, a huge potential a marketing and comms agency to drive the plant-based movement. And then I think the other one I can think of is a nutritionist fellowship, which will help promote kind of plant-based nutrition influencers. All of them have a a lot of potential. If you want, I can maybe comment on one that maybe is super high potential. Yeah, maybe talk. So I've forgotten about the social media influencer one, which I think is also really, really important, but maybe zero in on what your favorite one of the sort of publicly announced uh, ideas is. Yeah. I'm really excited about the potential of the plant-based marketing and comms agency. I just think, man, my God, do we need this? 
there are some superstars in our space when it comes to spreading the right messages and kind of journalism. And you could probably put Sonali and Green Queen on that list, but Definitely. we need an army behind these yeah. people to counteract just the, the powers at, at B right now. So I think we need better reporting, better marketing, better communications, and better design in this space. And we need all of our top talent focusing time and energy here. And just to me, it this whole system or movement would advance if we just had our top talent not pumping plastic products or animal-based sandwiches or other tech gadgets, but kind of really centering in on this space. So, and maybe a little bit of my mindset behind it, which I actually am going to be discussing in an upcoming book that I have coming out, is that if we all sat in deep thought, all of us, all 8 billion of us just sat in deep thought for just a couple minutes, just a couple minutes, we could advance this movement 30 years in a matter of minutes. And the central part of that is storytelling. Um, storytelling is so important to kick off that deep thought. So my way of kind of talking about it or how I like to talk about it is just recreating these aha moments with other people, the same ahas that got us. We can think back on our own experience and kind of share that, what made it click for us, what got us inspired. But to do this, this requires incredible talent and this requires an organization such as the one we're discussing. So I think this one's high potential. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I think one of the challenges we have in our sector is we're not great at taking complex ideas and turning them into simple messages that people can get behind. Whereas kind of, let's call it the other guys, <laughs> you know, who are who are talking about, well, we can't call oat milk milk because it's confusing to consumers and fight that. And I, as I always say, how come they're not chasing down the peanut butter industry then if this is so confusing? But, you know, but they're being effective, right? And the thing is, because they come up with a few talking points, they align around it. And whereas we tend to kind of on this side, focus, make things a little bit more complicated and kind of focus in on the minutiae among ourselves while missing some of the big picture. So I'm totally with you that we need this and storytelling. This is it's so clear that we have the facts on our side in this sector. But there's one thing we've learned in the last eight years or so that doesn't matter on its own. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no, totally, totally true. Yeah, it's we got to be very wise about how we tell the message. But I mean, the beautiful thing to me is that this movement, there's no conniving, kind of hidden ulterior motive. I mean, it is truly saying, hey, our system needs compassion. Even if we phase out fossil fuel, we cannot meet climate biodiversity goals without changing our protein system. I mean, it's really just we all need to think about this one word uninhabitable and what that really means. I think people hear it, but it hasn't clicked on what that means. And I think just kind of rallying around a couple of key points and thinking deeply is important. But yeah, we tend to, to overexplain sometimes. I've been there, I've done it. So I think we need to grow as an industry. One of the things I like about this Kickstarting for Good program is that it's open to nonprofits. And I think we see a lot of accelerators out there that are, you know, for the ultra high potential profit clean tech companies and stuff like that. But um, we see a lot less of this where it's accessible also to nonprofits. Can you talk a little bit about the funding pot or what's available for the different initiatives or maybe some tips for organizations that want to reach out what a successful application could look like? Yeah, I mean, it's open to all types of organizations, nonprofits. And I agree. I think there's a space for this to kind of get these maybe non-traditional venture route kind of organizations off the ground. Anybody that's interested in finding a way through policy, through education, through some of these other non-tech realms is open to apply. I do, unfortunately, think, and I'll, I'll get maybe some clarity after this. Uh, I think the inaugural 
cohort application window may be closed yesterday, but I wouldn't discourage anybody from reaching out. We had, man, hundreds, I think it was three, four, 500 applications globally wow. coming into this. And I've had some people reach out to me on LinkedIn and and I'm brand new. I think Albrecht and, and some of the team, I mean, they're probably getting just overwhelmed with these applications, but but yeah, no, there's great. And there's room to run more uh, cohorts here soon. But but yeah, I would say anybody that has a unique idea on how to move this forward should apply and reach out. I think it's an eight-week kind of high-speed program with curriculum, networking, mentorship, and strategy support. And we want everybody represented. We want orgs from the global north and the global south. We don't want there to be any barriers for anybody to join this program with some time here in Berlin. So I think we're offering at first like 5,000 euros as a kind of a stipend or a grant to cover any sort of costs associated with the program. And then post-program, the goal is obviously to unlock uh, greater levels of funding within the ProVeg network for these organizations, starting with the demo day. We want to match these projects with investors. So, but it's open to any type of organization. Uh, so for-profit, non-profit, everything in between and globally, is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure there's a link that we can maybe share um, if we kind of put, the, I'll put that the in the show notes. There. Yeah, yeah great. Uh, a lot of great information. So, okay. So you're brand new at, at ProVeg. What are you most excited about in the year ahead? But yeah, I would say absolutely excited to be an even, an even stronger system orchestrator at this critical juncture in time. We've embedded systems thinking into everything we do, and we want to spread that far and wide. And to us, there's a few kind of key parties. Uh, we want to speak more with policymakers. I'm looking forward to working with global delegates at, at COP in Dubai in the fall to talk about our solutions. And then also, yeah, work with consumers. I think there's a lot of work that we can do in sharing the message uh, better through this education and, and telling this this story and this narrative right that we uh, just discussed. Um, yeah, to actually answer your question, yeah, I think just engage policymakers, work with global delegates. We have a, uh, a youth board with ProVeg International. I think it's a super important voice that we need to bring to the table. So we're hoping to, to grow that. And I'm super proud of the youth that are standing up and want to be ambassadors for the plant-based movement. Hope to grow that as well. But, but yeah, there's a lot that I'm super excited about in addition to the incubator programs we discussed. You should check out the Farm Food Climate Conference coming up next Wednesday. I think that's the 5th of September. We're hosted by Project Together, which has done some great work. Uh, especially motivating and bringing youth under the tent as well. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think next week, uh, unfortunately, I saw that the timing is not going to work. We're doing some kind of international strategy work those days. But yeah, hopefully they do more events. And yeah, definitely want to get involved with that. Yeah, they're a good group to get involved with. What's the? You mentioned LinkedIn. Is that the best place for people to find you online? I would say so. You know, I've always been a, a pretty private, low-key person. I love just kind of chilling, spending time with my wife and not doing all the extra hours on, on uh, being active on social media or building a, a Paul-focused brand or anything. But I would say I'm semi-active on LinkedIn and I've made it a goal to be more vocal. So I'd say that's probably the best place to, to reach out and engage for sure. Okay. I, I won't publish your home address in the show notes. <laughs> Perfect. But most important question. So you're from Milwaukee and you're a big sports fan. And the Brewers right now, I was a massive baseball fan when I was a kid and Brewers were one of my teams, but so they're currently in first place in National League Central. Do you think they've got what it takes to win the World Series this year? Okay. You have definitely found my soft spot and the way to my heart. And it's talking about Wisconsin sports. Baseball. Yeah. I think the Brewers definitely have a chance to win the Central. Probably no chance at the World Series. I say that for one reason. Our payroll is like 150 million. Other teams have like 300 million. So 
it's almost a, a good analogy for our food system. I mean, we need to level the playing field and, and get subsidy dollars changed and, and research changed and probably the same in baseball. I think the, the brewers just don't have the, the payroll, but it is football season. And Jordan Love is about to take the Green Bay Packers to the Super Bowl. Uh, you can book that. And I think uh, I'm going to recruit you to be the latest Packer fan. You've already been to Lambeau Field. Yeah, I've been there and sat in a box. And I was, I think, more focused on the Ryan ginger ale cart uh, at that point than what's happening on the field. But yeah, that's a great point also. I mean, that you've just demonstrated your storytelling. So I ask you a question about baseball and you bring it back to the food system. So ProVeg has done well with you. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Paul, thanks a lot for joining today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to another Climate Tech Podcast. It would mean a lot if you would subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Get in touch anytime with tips and guest recommendations at hello at climatetechpod.com. Find me, Ryan Grant Little, on LinkedIn. I'll be back with another episode next week. Bye for now. This episode is supported by Grizzle, B2B content to create and capture demand. I first met Grizzle's founder, Tom Watley, five years ago at a conference in Dublin. I was so impressed that I signed a deal with him to do all my software company's content that same evening at the pub. Remember that, Tom? Um, kinda. And they're still doing it two years after we sold the company because the new owners love Grizzle as much as I do. If you sell B2B, book 30 minutes in Tom's calendar at grizzle.io slash climate. That's G-R-I-Z-Z-L-E dot I-O slash climate.